so much for joining us today on episode number 89 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So depending on your running background, warming up for a workout may be a completely foreign concept. So how should we warm up? Why should we do it? And when should we do it? We're going to talk about all of that today. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Warming up before working out hard. Um, at first, I thought this was a pretty straightforward concept until I started coaching track runners who had never run before. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, hey, go warm up. And they just look at me <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. What do you mean, like, coach? It's Florida. I'm sweating because we're standing in the sun. Yeah, I'm it, pretty warm. Yeah, it's hot out here. <laughs> we're already warm. Yeah. So yeah. the whole idea of what the heck is a warm up? Why are we doing this in the first place is, is a really worthwhile concept, I think. Yeah, for sure. I know that I hear questions about warm-ups all the time. Like the people that are in my running group aren't sure what to do. Like they think warm-ups is just like going out and running slow, which it can be. But it totally can be. But there's a lot of different ways that you can warm up um, for a race, for a workout. And I think there's a lot of confusion. I think that especially people that have never run, I mean, we have it on our high school team, obviously, because these kids have never run before. They don't know anything about it. But a team is really where you start to learn a lot of these things. Right. Otherwise, you've got a different background in warming up. I was coming with, you know, various times that I learned how the, the concept of warming up. And it goes all the way back to, like, grade school. Yeah. Like, I remember we told, run two laps around the parking lot. And then we came in and mm-hmm. we did, like, arm circles and bent over and touched our toes. That right. was our warm-up. before or holding we holding static stretches. Lots of static stretching. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how we used to warm up in volleyball, too. It was, like... We had to either run a mile, which I hated, or we would had to run a couple laps like around the court, the volleyball court, and then we would all circle up and we would do our like team counting where we would like hold our stretch and the team captain would stand in the middle and they would say one and two. the rest of the team would say two. Yeah. So then you would go back and forth. Three. Four. Five. Six. Exactly. Still happens with the football team at my school. Yep. And that's how we warmed up in volleyball. And that's, I mean, not really the best way to warm up. No, it happened, well, it happened last year with the football team. It's a great way to bond as a team. It's not the greatest stretching technique. Yeah. But the team works. There's a unity to it because there's this back and forth thing. And their, like, strength guy was also the guy that would, like, scream at them. He was, I don't know, like 80 years old and just seemed, like, grizzled. They put him <laughs> Grizzled? In, yeah, grizzled. They put him <laughs> in charge of like the the warm-up and stretch beforehand because it made him really happy and he was a pretty quality offensive line coach and Mm -hmm. so the head football coach was like he's not doing anything bad that's gonna damage them right it's not ideal but i don't think it's a negative so we're gonna let him do it yeah and i i mean i remember when i first became a runner and we went to races and I would look at people that were running before the race and be like, why are they running more? (laughs) Why would you do that? Why are they running right now? The race hasn't started yet. Like, why would they run more than they actually have to run during a race? Yeah. And I mean, like, when you would go to races, like, when you would be racing, I'd say, okay, well, what time do we have to leave? And you're like, well, I want to be there at this time, which is always at least an hour before a race time. <laughs> and I'm like, why in the world would we get there an hour before the race? And it's like, going to be dark. Yeah, and you're like, well, I have to warm up. And I'm like, you have to warm up for an hour? Like, what do you need to do for an hour? And now I totally get it. <laughs> now I totally get it. Like, I now also need to be at my races an hour ahead of time just to make sure. What, yeah. You want to warm up, you need to go to the bathroom, you need to do all these things that... That's the thing. It takes it takes the stress out of trying to get everything stress, in in yes. this cramped period of time. Yeah. Could I do it in 20 minutes? Sure. Do I have to go to the bathroom twice? Maybe. Yeah, and that's why you need to be there for an hour. And are the lines going to be long? Maybe. Right, and if you get there earlier, is it cleaner? Probably. It's cleaner. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely cleaner. There's definitely toilet paper left, and their lines are shorter. Yes, generally shorter. For sure. So, okay, so today we're going to talk about warm-up. So, like we said, you might have a very different background of warming up, like in grade school, like you were talking about, like in the team sports where you run a little bit, you do the stretches, maybe you do some running sprints, and you have to get over the punishments from last night's previous game on the miss serves. That's what I always remember about. No, no, you know. 
No, I'm not. I'm not bitter or anything. Totally not flashbacks totally not to high school on yeah, that one. Miss Mulhall. <laughs> um, that was my dad who used to put me on those punishments. Mm-hmm. Like on basketball, uh, our practice didn't start in the older grades until it was later, so it was kind of dark. Your dad punished you guys with running. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, my dad who runs, but well, not anymore, but ran. Um, How long did your dad actually run? Because I've never heard about Mark's career, running career. <laughs> well, he's like, a go- He's a golfer. All right, he's a golfer. And, but like, and a good one. He is a good golfer. But, I mean, he ran... I didn't. I can't picture him as a runner. <laughs> you get. You got to picture short shorts and a lot of sweat. <laughs> That's what we got. I, I really hope he's listening to this, <laughs> which I don't think he is. Probably not. Someone's <laughs> got to install a podcast Hi, app Dad. on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know how to listen to podcasts yet. So, anyway, there's different ways to warm up, right? Like, I mean, look at the way that our little ones warm up. For softball. Well, yeah, this one really epitomizes the the concept behind what warming up is. Is it's sort of doing what you're aiming to eventually be be doing, but in a much smaller, low-key way. And in like a smaller range of motion and a smaller effort. Right. So one of the slower speeds. One of the things that that you guys always do with the with the girls in warming up for a softball game is have them stand fairly close to each other and throw the ball back and forth. Right. But a lot of them don't get the idea that a warm-up is, you know, I'm not going to throw it as hard as I possibly can for these first few throws. Like, you don't want to pick up the ball and just try and chuck it as far as you can on your first throw of practice. Mm -hmm. That's what a warm-up is. It's throwing it a little bit, then take a couple steps back and throw it some more. But you watch these kids as not not the older one, like the little one, because... The playing catch with a six-year-old is really just a matter of, of playing fetch with a six-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Like, she can't catch it, so then she has to go and run and get it. And then she throws it like three feet to the left of you, so then you have to go and get it. It's just constantly chase. But if she misses it, she'll run, she'll go get it, and then she'll throw it from all the way back there. Mm-hmm. It's like that that's not the point of the warm-up. Yeah. So Depending that, on what point of the warm-up you're at. Exactly. Yeah. The, the second throw should not be as far as you can physically throw the ball. Right, exactly. And then we've got our running team at school yes. who we have to teach how to warm up and what to do. And to be fair, like we warm up differently depending on what we're doing that day at practice as well. Yes. And to be fair, a lot of how we warm up was influenced from a variety of coaches that I've had right. of running coaches. And mm-hmm. I mean, when I was in high school, it was, it was some easy running and some strides and some stretching. Yeah. Every once in a while we'd do drills if coach was gung-ho on doing drills that week. Mm-hmm. And then what about college? <laughs> college we were kind of left to our own device usually really uh, very much i guess that i mean that would make sense by the time you get to a division one college team you should know how to warm up you should know how to warm up and everybody's warm-up routine is slightly different some people like to do when we talk about strides i'll talk about the different varieties of strides and why some people preferred some over the others everybody has different things they want to stretch we don't get around in a circle and Mm. do hamstring stretch one two three four it's not how it is well and not everybody needs to stretch their hamstrings exactly so you're not going to force people to do stretches that are pointless or even bad for them right so well there was mileage because one of our our big runs the park was three miles from school so you had to run three miles to get to the park Mm -hmm. and then you would do whatever you needed to do for the next 15 to 20 minutes and coach would be like all right right, we're going to start practice in 20 so get yourselves ready We had already run three miles, and now you had 20 minutes to get yourself ready, whatever that meant for you. Right, right. So, yeah, I like that idea because it's very individualized, and warm-ups should be an individual thing. I think that it's important for us as high school coaches to teach the kids all the fundamentals, right? Like, so we go through and we teach them the drills, we teach them the different techniques, the strides, and all these different ways to warm up, and I think that especially at the beginning of the season, we all, we have them all do the same thing. Yes. Um, Towards the end of the season, I think we give them a little bit more leeway. I do it a lot in track. Yeah, especially the older kids. Yes. You know, the, the seniors and the juniors are the people that we know are more committed to the team and know what they're doing. Like, we give them a little bit more leeway, but... With, with high school kids, a lot of times you have to tell them what to do or they won't do anything. Right, exactly. They'll just stand around and chat with each other. Exactly. But there's also a benefit of them all actually doing the same thing. As long as it's not negative to anybody, there yeah. is still a benefit of getting together and all doing the same thing. For sure. In track, before workouts, I got distance kids and sprint kids and hurdlers. They are doing all sorts of things. So their warm-ups literally are different. Mm-hmm. So I'll finish my like pre-practice meeting and say, okay, warm up 
workouts start in 20 minutes. Now, at the beginning of track season, like say you have... Not a chance. They are all handheld, and I show exactly what each group should be doing. Okay. Well, you answered my <laughs> question before I even had oh, to they ask. Just, they get no freedom at the beginning of the season. Okay. So you like tell them exactly what to yep, do. Okay. Very so you much. teach them how. Okay. So let's get into why we should warm up. Like, what's the point... Of warming up. All right, let's get a couple perspectives on this because yeah. I, I really want a lot of your perspective on the whole why to warm up in the first mm-hmm. place. Because as far as I'm concerned, this sort of prepares you for faster running. Yeah. It helps you gain some coordination, make sure that the muscles are actually firing the way they're supposed to. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. You definitely want to start moving those muscles and not just stretching and contracting the muscles that you're going to use, but also sending the message from the brain to the muscles, right? So you're firing those neurons and those nerves to get the messages sent to get that coordinated movement going. Right. I I know that I really struggle doing any sort of like higher end speed. I can do some decent speed, but I can't get higher end speed first thing in the morning. Yeah. Like if I roll out of bed, it's a struggle to try and get moving. Yeah, you always say that to me too. Like, because when you tell me about my workouts, like, okay, this is what I want you doing. But since you're going at 530 in the morning, like you might have to pull back on this pace a little bit. I don't think I have as much trouble as you do hitting those faster paces in the morning. Now, granted, my fast pace is much slower than your fast pace. Um, and I don't know if that might have something to do with it, but that might, you're also awake for a little bit longer. Yeah, it's usually that's true. I usually take about a half an hour to wake up and go to the bathroom and do what I need to do before I go run. Where right. you try to get out of the door. Yeah, within... how long is it between feet on the ground out of bed and your first running step? Usually, usually a half an hour. Okay, because like I... I usually wake up at five and I start running at five thirty or five thirty-five. Yeah, I try and keep it to twelve minutes or less. Yeah, that's so... a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, if you've been sitting a lot, you know, like if you've been in the car all day or if you have a desk job and you've been sedentary or running first thing in the morning like we're just talking about, a warm-up will help those muscles just get moving. It will help to increase the blood flow to the muscles that you're working so that you can prevent any sort of um, abnormal stress or strainer, maybe not abnormal, um, unnecessary, I guess I should say. Right. If you, if you start your, your run before you're like actually warmed up before the muscles are, are firing before you're thinking about it. And like, this is the form I should be running with. It's just going to put strain on the body while it's not moving in a smooth fashion. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I kind of like the, the easy running at the beginning of it. Yeah. De- I definitely think that like easy running should be at the beginning. Usually I don't really do too much before like my running warm-up like sometimes I'll do some like hip swings and dynamic active movements Um, and and that's one thing I think is a big change from previous years like you know like we just said back in high school we were told that we were supposed to stretch before we ran or before we did our sports and now the research is really showing that static stretching, which means holding a stretch position for a long period of time, like 30 seconds or more, is really not beneficial, especially before exercise, because you're actually tearing the muscle fibers, which is causing inflammation. So why would you want to inflame your muscles before you're then asking them to work hard? Right. Yeah. Warming the muscles up with slow, gentle, relaxing, comfortable movements is a much better option. Exactly. So you're kind of using an active or dynamic warm-up technique is really the best way to go where you're, again, just like Kevin just said, you're using slower um, but movement-based exercises, movement-based things to warm the muscles up. So you're going from a shortened position to a long, a lengthened position, but you're doing it in a slow and controlled manner. You're not doing it as quickly as you are about to do it during your run or during your workout. Right. Another good reason to warm up is uh, if you are running in the cold because you are literally warming up the muscles. Oh, like all of our northern runners? Yes. Yeah, I don't know what that's like. Here, it's like you step outside and you're sweating already because it's like 90% humidity. I've put in plenty of miles with snow on the ground. Mm. If, if you are shivering, you're not ready for a hard run. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a good combination. True story. So yeah, so this is definitely more important if you are running outside in cold cold temperatures. 
Another thing I wanted to hit on why warm up, um, the shorter the distance that you're about to go or the faster you're going to go, like the greater speed you're going to rely on, the more important a warm up becomes. Now, when you say the shorter the distance, you just mean because usually shorter distances are faster. Yeah, they they kind of go hand in hand with each other. So right. the faster you're about to go, like if you if you watch somebody warm up, like really high level athletes who are going to warm up and sprint a hundred meters. Yeah. They warm up for like an hour and a half. Yeah. They have very extensive warm up for a race that takes on that level less than 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. Like that is a lot of warm up. Well, yeah, because they're using their muscles at their maximum force. Right. So, so to, they better be ready for it. Yeah. So <laughs> to ask your muscles to produce that sort of force, you better be warmed up and totally on your game, especially if your race is only 10 seconds. Like there's no room for error. There is zero room for error. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not like you're going to tire yourself out beforehand because your entire race is 10 seconds. And they're using different body systems. Exactly. They're using different energy systems to warm up versus to actually run the race. Yeah. So, uh, so the faster you're going, the more, the more important that becomes. Mm -hmm. Um, and finally it, this introduces a pattern before doing difficult work. Mm -hmm. Okay. It kind of triggers your brain. Oh, this is my warm-up routine, so uh, I'm gonna. My body is about to ask me to do something difficult, which I think is really helpful. If you establish a routine before hard workouts, then when it comes time for a race, you know this routine. Mm -hmm. it, it's kind of a comfort zone for you. Mm -hmm. Of I run for this long, I do blah blah blah. And we'll get into what types of, of exercises you can put into your work into your warm up. But by just establishing this routine beforehand, mm -hmm. it takes out a lot of the questions. It takes out a lot of this like I'm I'm at the race 45 minutes beforehand what am I supposed to do with my time yeah no so you're talking about the actual like mindset and yes. psychological aspect not the physical aspect of the warm-up but the actual psychological and, and mental benefits of the warm-up and that that's totally true um like Dina Castor in her book that I just read which was awesome and I highly recommend um she talks about how when she was preparing for one of, I think it was for one of the Olympics or the cross country national championships, one of the big races that she ran for a period of time, she would go through a mental training exercise where she would put on the same exact song and she would do a visualization. She would visualize herself running this race and like everything going wrong. Like she would pick a different scenario and each time, each visualization that she would do but every single time she did it, she did it to the same exact song. So then when it became race day, that's the song that she put on in her headphones to get her prepped. And it was just like, okay, boom. Like she was already in the zone as yeah. soon as she heard that song. Yeah, 100%. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of mental aspect to this. That, that's why some people have their, you know, it's their lucky jersey or whatever they mm -hmm. run in. It's not, but it helps. It's a place of comfort that you can go to. It's not that it's actually lucky, but it's a, it's a thing that you've gone to before and you know that it goes well. Yeah, well, and if you watch the Olympics, then you'll see all the high-level athletes like Michael Phelps. They'll always like cut to him before his races and he's like in the warm up room with his headphones on and you know, he's clearly he goes to that place in the zone. Like you can just see it in his eyes. Like he is totally focused on what's going on. Yeah. I mean, you watch all these athletes, they've all got this routine that they go to that they do before every race yeah. and it's, it's a place of comfort. It helps them feel good before, before a starting gun is fired. Yeah. So those are all really, really good reasons of why we should be incorporating a warm up. Now let's talk about when we should warm up. Uh, well, the most obvious is before most hard running efforts. So if you're doing a workout, if you're doing a workout, or you're if running you're doing a race. a race, yeah, okay. that's that's the biggie. And by like we just said, by having a warm up routine before your workouts, it gets you ready to have a warm up routine before your race. Mm -hmm. Because one of the classic rules of racing is don't do anything new on race day. Nothing new on race day, right? So if you are just a casual runner that just likes to go out and run five miles at the same pace at the same time every day, you don't really need to do a warm-up per se. Like, you know, you might just have the first couple, the first mile or so might be a little bit slower as you kind of get into your rhythm, but you don't have to do any sort of elaborate type of warm-up. However, if you are looking to add speed work into your routine, if you're trying to get faster or if you're trying to race and, you know, try to improve your race time, trying to go for some personal best times and personal records, that's when you might want to start thinking about incorporating a warm-up. Yeah, there's one thing that I wanted to mention that, that you just reminded me of 
if you're that runner that doesn't do a lot of speed work and you just, you kind of go out, you run your three, four, five miles, whatever that is, and then you sign up for a local 5K, don't look around and be like, well, these people are all warming up and that guy's sprinting and look at the stretch they're doing. That's what other people are doing. Mm. If that's not a thing that's normal to you, don't suddenly start doing crazy things on race day. Yeah. Like if someone's listening to this and you have a, a race this weekend, like you have a, a Memorial race. Memorial Day 5K. Yeah. You got a race coming up real, real quick here and you've never done any of these things. Don't do it for the first time ever on race morning. Yeah. You might, if you want to practice, you know, beforehand, then go for it. Yeah, or if that race is, is like, hey, I wonder what would happen if I did this before the race, sure, give it a shot. But don't think that this is going to be some magic thing, because new things on race morning, not always a good idea. Right, exactly. So, like we just said, you know, they're not always needed before you're doing, like, steady state runs or tempo runs or easy recovery runs. Again, you want to just kind of start with maybe a little bit of a slower pace. Like, I usually like to do like a one mile warm up or just like a little bit of an easier pace and then kind of just gradually transition right into my tempo pace. Yes. I don't usually like stop and stretch and do any of that stuff. Right. If, if I do steady state or tempo, usually I just kind of flow right in, especially since I do a lot of that on a treadmill. Mm. Um, it's one of the reasons why I like squeezing these in during lunch is I hop on the treadmill, I go for my warm up pace. And after a mile, I just ramp the speed up to whatever the rest of the thing is. Yeah. I don't get off the treadmill and then do the rest of a more extended workout. Mm. Um, the other day, I did quarter mile repeats on the side of the road, I had a much more thorough warm up because mm-hmm. I was on the side of the road and I was going much faster with yeah. that one too. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it's funny because I was just talking to you about this and how I usually run with my group and my, my running buddies and usually we have a short window of time to work with because we're running at 5.30 in the morning and yep. all of us have to get home and get our kids ready for school and go to work and all of that. So... We typically just kind of warm up doing that slower mile and then jump right into our speed work, which I think, you know, so lately we've been talking about it and I've been saying to them, like, I think that we should stop after that mile warm up and do some of these dynamic stretches, dynamic activities to kind of get ourselves ready if we're doing those higher level speed work, like quarter repeats or, you know, 200s or something like that. Yeah, definitely. And if you're struggling for time, honestly, I would cut distance off of your cool down at the end. Right. Cause, uh, yeah, take a little bit more time for the dynamic warm up and yeah, take less for the cool down. Exactly. Get yeah. yourself really thoroughly warmed up. The mm-hmm. body will take care of the cool down for the most part, but yeah. that's a totally different topic. Yeah. So anyway, so go ahead back to the steady state runs. Um, all right. So steady state, it's kind of like your one and a half hour to two and a half hour race pace is like a steady state pace. As oh, is far that as all? I'm just concerned. one and a half to two and a half hours. Like some of the people listening to this podcast are going to be like, oh, okay. Like I've never run an hour and a half in my life. Okay, so it's (laughs) right. It's not a blazing fast pace, is the thing. It's the pace. If you were running a race that was going to last you two hours, that would be your pace for it. Okay. So I'm that's what you consider steady state. Steady state. Okay. So I'm not. I'm saying that you don't have to warm up extensively for something like that. Well, what if the longest race you've ever run is like a 5k or a 10k? If the longest race you're ever doing is like a 5K, 10K, there's still tempo pace kind of stuff that you could do. You can, you should, before you get into tempo pace stuff, opening with a more relaxing mile. We'll talk about different types of workouts, of warmups that you can do. But sort of a relaxing mile, you could do some strides before that and then get into a more extensive, um, you know, tempo run. Mm-hmm. Or if your race is really 5K, you're probably not focusing a lot on these longer steady state runs because they're just not quite as beneficial for the 5k. Okay. So you're doing a lot more stuff that's at 5k effort or mile effort or even faster than that. And mm-hmm. that needs an extensive warm up. Okay. So you're talking about people that are really training more for like half marathons half marathon and marathons. marathons. Like that's when steady state running actually becomes more important. Yes. Okay. So go ahead. So for those people, Excuse the interruption, but I just had to pop in and let you know about an upcoming workshop that we're hosting inside the Real Life Runners Academy. 
If you're someone that's ever struggled with thoughts or beliefs that are getting in your way, or you think you're self-sabotaging yourself and you can't understand why you're doing things that you don't want to do or not doing things that you know you should be doing or want to be doing, this message is for you. We're hosting a special academy workshop May 14th and we're bringing in an expert in neuro-linguistic programming, Ms. Megan Blacksmith. And she's going to be teaching us how the thoughts that we have can either be helping us in our life or holding us back. And we want to invite you, our amazing podcast listeners, to join us. So you don't have to be a member of the Academy to join us this month. You can join for a small one-time fee by going over to realliferunners.com forward slash workshop. If you are a current Academy member, this and all of our monthly workshops and all experts, that's all already included in your current membership. So if you are a current member, do not go to the website and repurchase because it's already included with your membership. But if you want to join just for the workshop, check it out over at realliferunners.com slash workshop today. Now, back to the show. I think that you kind of open with, you know, a mile or two of your relaxed pace and then just drop it down into whatever pace you're going for for the rest of the run. Okay. And I mean, that kind of correlates with like why a huge warm-up is not really needed for a marathon so like when you're sustaining an effort for that amount of time it's not a high level effort I mean marathons are definitely difficult but it's because of the time that you're on your feet not necessarily the crazy pace that you're doing right the warm-up required for a marathon versus the 100 meter dash is completely different yeah you know we can get into what I do for a marathon warm-up later Mm -hmm. um but Finally, when to warm up, even like a normal recovery or an easy paced run, you probably don't have your first half mile, one mile at the same pace as you're going to for the rest of it. Mm -hmm. You still are going to start at a relaxed pace and then sort of move yourself down into a groove. Sometimes if you had a really hard workout the day before, you almost want to force yourself into that like extra easy pace for the first of it to make sure you're actually getting a recovery run. But on a lot of runs, the pace just gradually gets a little bit faster as you just sort of feel more comfortable. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of your body's natural way of warming up. Exactly. All right. So we've talked about why and when. Now let's talk about some of the how. So how do we warm up for a workout or a race? All right. Well, the first one we've covered a lot here is several minutes of easy running. Mm -hmm. And it depends on on your mileage. Yeah. You know, if you're a very short mileage person, if you're a newer runner, if um, whatever it is, much of your running on that day could end up being warm up and cool down right. and you have a very short like faster portion in the middle of it yeah because that's if, okay. yeah if you're a beginner runner or a shorter distance runner you're not going to be doing really long workouts so and, and you really shouldn't be especially if you're a newer runner like especially if you're just introducing some speed work the body needs time to acclimate to that and to get used to that. So you shouldn't be doing like your whole workout should not, or your, I'm sorry, your whole run should not be a workout. You should definitely have a good chunk of it as a warm up, a good chunk of it as a cool down. And then the small portion in the middle as your workout. Yeah. I mean the, the book I read on, on 80, 20 training where it says out of your, your weekly volume, 20% should be at a faster tempo. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're going from a point where you're at 0% at a faster tempo yeah. next week, shouldn't be 20. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, there's that also kind of gradually build yourself up to that point. Mm -hmm. So most of your running might actually end up being, um, just part of your warm up. Yeah. Well, and if you're a higher mileage runner, then the warm up and the cool down are also just good ways for you to get more mileage on your legs for for any given day. Yeah. If you're, if you're training for a, a marathon and you're really just trying to build up this massive aerobic base, which is something that brand new runners and people training for a much longer distance are, are both really going for is huge aerobic base, then yeah, extend the warm up so that you can just add some more miles to the day, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so several minutes of easy running is a great way to warm your body up. The second way that you can warm your body up is through drill work. And so drills, like running drills that focus on your form and improving your form and trying to 
take your legs and your joints through like a greater range of motion to get them moving that way. Yes. This is why we incorporate drill work before uh, our kids do most of these workouts. Right. Um, so skipping is a fantastic one. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the classic high knees and butt kicks. Mm-hmm. These are good ones. I don't like high knees. Yeah. I, here's the thing is I just saw a report that said that high knees and butt kicks actually accentuate the range of motion too much. Mm-hmm. And because you're going... You're, you would never run that way. Okay. And because you're now essentially putting your body through this motion that is not what it's about to do, mm-hmm. that they actually are not as good as, as other forms. Which do, are, do they say that they're actually detrimental though? Yes. Or just well, not as good as other things? They say that there's a much better way that you could warm up okay. besides doing butt kicks essentially. Okay. Because the, you're not... That that form you're is you're never bending your knee that much when you're, just you're running, not. right? But when, especially if you're me, <laughs> yeah, yes, good <laughs> or, point. Or other people that tend to shuffle, that tend to shuffle, right? Um, I, I'm getting much better. I'm not a big fan of of doing running high knees or running butt kicks. I find them both annoying. Yeah, personally, I like to do them slowly. I love doing them slowly. Yeah. I love doing them slowly at the end of most runs mm-hmm. as as part of the cool down, and yeah. I think they're great. I like doing them before a run. Uh, at nice and easy and then maybe I'll do just standing in place high knees or butt kicks mm-hmm. just just for like three to five seconds yeah just to take your joints through that range of motion just to decrease any of the stiffness that yes. you might have especially like you said if you've been sitting all day or if you've been sleeping um high knees like you know when and butt kicks especially too like if you're in a sitting position your hips are in a flexed position so you want to be doing some like hip extension to warm yourself up to open those hips up to get them out of that flex position yeah i mean one of my favorite drills literally is the skipping though yeah skipping is a very good one i think it's a good one it it's it's not quite this same like stressful uh, range of motion that high knees or butt kicks are, yeah. but it's it's a over-exaggerated running form. Mm-hmm. And if you're good at it, it also helps kind of prep your body for that quick transition from one foot to the other yeah. that you need when you're running. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying, it, it helps teach your body the, the very fast footland push off thing, which is a great mm-hmm. way to improve your speed is reduce the amount of time your foot's on the ground. Yeah. Skipping definitely. helps that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the third thing that you can do is stretching and we've started to talk about this already, but like we said, you do not want to be doing static stretching where you are just holding a position for 30 seconds or more. You do not want to do that before your workout. If you need to stretch, like if your muscles are actually tight and need to be lengthened, you want to do your static stretching at the end after your workout. Before your workout, you definitely want to be doing a dynamic type of stretch, which is where you kind of stretch into the muscle a little bit and then back off. You stretch into that muscle a little bit and then you back off. And you kind of, you'll find that you'll probably be able to go a little bit further each time, depending on what movement you're doing. All right. So can you give us a little more example, like what kind of stretches we could do as dynamic stretches? Um, so, so when you say dynamic, I always think leg swings, but can you give us some more examples? So I love hip swings. I mean, I typically do hip swings before most of my workouts. I do um, hip swings side to side and front to back. Lunges are another really good one. Um, Ooh, doing, a good one. Doing either standing lunges. I always, I like reverse lunges better than um, forward lunges because they put less stress on the knee and that helps to also stretch out your hip flexors, um, runner's lunge. Like I do like a lot of yoga types of uh, active stretching. So oh, downward like dog move running into that position, move mm-hmm. at it. So it's yoga, but you never really hold anything for very long. Right. Yeah. You can kind of hold things for like five to 10 seconds. So I like to do kind of like a sun salutation where you're going up, you're stepping back into a plank position. Then you bring one foot up like into a runner's lunge. Then you I bring it back, then the other foot up into a runner's lunge, um, kind of do like a slow mountain climber. That's a good way to do a dynamic warm up. Um, in a plank position, doing hip Ooh, extensions. Slow mountain climber. That's mm-hmm. good for like hamstrings and hips, right? Hip flexors, yeah. Ooh, I like that um, one. I like like going into like a downward dog position and like raising one leg up high in the air and then bringing it through like toward like knee to chest and then bringing it way back up high in the air so that you're kind of getting a big range of motion with the leg. That's Does a that make one. sense? No, that makes complete okay. sense. What I'm, what am I explaining? Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to picture doing that and what I usually race in and thinking that might not work so well. <laughs> um, karaoke's are really good. 
side lunges are good. You know, any sort of like squats are also good. I mean, I put karaoke and side lunges back into like drill work though. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like you if can you put can, those into drill or if, you, into if you're doing it dynamic. while walking, I consider it more like drill work. Like if you're actually moving along while you do it. I think of drill work as more like form related per- okay. personally. So I think that they're kind of both. They can, there's a lot of overlap there's between gray. them. There's some gray area there. Some gray area there. Perfect. Yeah. It's a Venn diagram. Can we make some circles? (laughs) All right. Another report that I saw um, on the idea of static stretching is one of the reasons that people kind of moved away from static stretching is one of the benefits of running is when you land, your muscles kind of act like a spring. So when you land, it gives you this reflex where your muscles literally try and spring back and, Mm -hmm. and pop you up off the ground. Right. And... When you do muscle spindle, yes, mm-hmm. yes, very much. So when when you do static stretching and you hold that stretch for a long period of time, it's sort of like if you take a rubber band and you stretch it. If you stretch it and immediately let go, it goes flying across the room. But if you stretch it and hold it stretched for a long period of time and let go, it's not going to fly as far. Mm-hmm. And they said that static stretching, when you're holding one position for like a minute, this is it, it basically screws up your reflex. Yeah. And so then it makes running that much harder because instead of running on springs, you're running on really relaxed springs that don't give you that pop back. Right. But they said in the, in the study, as long as you hold the stretch for less than 30 seconds, mm-hmm. it did not have an issue. So some people, they get through their warm and they're like, ah, oh, my calf is just feeling sore today. And they, I've seen people, they put their foot up on the curb, they try and hold a stretch. As long as you're holding it for less than 30 seconds, you're not getting any sort of negative outcome from this. Yeah, because, I mean, when, like we said, static stretching is actually trying to lengthen the muscle. And when you actually lengthen a muscle, you have to tear the fibers. That's how the muscle gets longer. You're tearing muscle fibers. And then the muscle rebuilds itself and it, you know, kind of stays in that stretched out position like the rubber band. Like if you hold it long enough... Over a period of time, it's going to get longer and it's going to get looser. Yes. But like you said, that can decrease the springiness of the muscle just like it decreases the springiness of the rubber band. Yeah, you you want spring back from your legs. Right. It gets really beneficial when running, especially running on a hard surface. You yeah. want to spring back. Yeah. Okay, so um, tell us about strides. Uh, strides come in a whole variety of forms. The, the kids in our team will always ask, what kind of strides are we doing today, mm-hmm. Coach? Coach, are they short or long? What are strides? Okay, so strides, um, they vary in, in how long they're going, but these are fast Efforts, very fast efforts. Not but like not an all-out sprint. It's not an all-out sprint, but right. it's it's relatively close. You're not being chased by a dog, but you can hear one barking behind a fence. Okay, that's that's the way I liked it. It's it's not you're not running away from something, but you're moving pretty quick. Can I, can I be running away from an iguana? Yes, you can be running away because from Because I know iguana. the iguana is not going to hurt me, but it's really gross and freaks me out. That's because it's an unevolved dinosaur. They're so gross. They're so creepy. Ugh. Um, okay, so I'm running away from an iguana. Perfect. Um, but not a rabid dog. Yeah, or <laughs> or you're running away from an iguana, but it's on the other side of the canal, so you, you've you logically realized that it actually can't jump the canal and get to you. But I don't want to see it anymore. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> All right, so there's short strides where you're going for six to eight seconds. You okay. can go pretty fast during those six to eight seconds. There's longer strides where you're going more like 10 to 15 seconds. You're going to pull back just a little was, bit more on the gas pedal. I thought the standard stride was like 15 to 20. That's usually what you tell me to do. Well, you know, I always grew up doing strides that take 100 meters. Okay. Strides for 100 meters for me was somewhere in the 17 second range. Mm-hmm. So I gave you 15 to 20 seconds. Gotcha. That's where it came from. That's where it came from. <laughs> that is the math. Okay. Because my coach in high school always made us do 100-meter strides. I don't see the benefit. Like, I've, we've sent our kids out there to do strides before on the cross-country team. Like, all right, 100-meter strides. And they jog them because they're tired. It's the end of their run. It's hot. They're sweaty. And having them jog the straightaway four times is not gaining the benefit of doing strides. Yeah. So that's where the idea of short strides came from. Just run to the 50-yard line, but do it quick. And when I say it that way, the kids think it's a reward. Ooh, as long as we go fast, coach will only make us go to the 50. Mm. No, I'd rather you go to the 100, but if you 
if you only go to the 50, you'll actually go the speed that I want you to go. You'll actually give it the effort that you're looking right. for. Right. That's what yeah. I'm looking for is I'm looking for that effort, that turnover, that like requirement, recruitment of power. I want all these muscles firing together mm-hmm. and creating a large power output for Because you. that is the purpose of strides. That's is the to purpose help, of strides. Help improve your power. Yeah. It's, it's to help align muscle recruitment. Like when, when you're going at an easy pace, you don't need to recruit all of the muscles simultaneously to fire. Mm-hmm. But if you're saying, I need to dig deep and run away from this dog, suddenly all of the muscles in your quads need to be firing and firing in sync and getting some unity to it. We're not running away from a dog. We're running away from an iguana. From an iguana. <laughs> <laughs> from an iguana on the back of a dog. <laughs> But not a rabid one. But not rabid. Okay, so we have short strides, we have long strides, and we have accelerations. Accelerations are actually my favorite. I I just find them annoying to teach the high school kids because by the time I tell them what a stride is, I've already lost focus from half of them. Mm-hmm. But they are my favorite. They are probably 20 seconds. They really have, like, terrible attention spans. They really do. Yeah. Like... As soon as, uh, what was it, that you could only make three-second videos on, that's their attention span now. Was that Vine? Yes, Vine. That's what it was. Um, But that that dropped their attention span to three seconds. So accelerations, 20 seconds. Five seconds to go from running to running at your high-end speed. Mm -hmm. Ten seconds where you hold that high-end speed. Not all-out sprint, but pretty darn fast. And then five seconds where you gradually drop yourself down the other side. Mm -hmm. It's really the best way to do strides. Mm -hmm. So that you're not going from standstill to bam, I'm going. Yeah. And when you hit the end of it, you're not like doing that real short choppy step that's going to put strain on your knees. I thought that that was just the standard way to run strides. <laughs> it's it's the correct way to run strides. Oh, okay. But most so that's people, how you should run them. That's how you should run them. Oh, okay. They're, I think they're better referred to as accelerations because then you ramp up to your speed and then you ramp down from your speed. Okay. And it's, it's the safer, healthier way to run an appropriate stride. That's just the correct way to do it. Yes, it's just the correct okay. way to do it. Yes. All right, so it's not really its own category. <laughs> no, it's just the correct way to do it. Okay. Sometimes it's hot and you just need to crank out some strides because you, you haven't done any higher end speed that week. And that's the point of, of short strides is can I just do like four to six, eight second bursts? Great. Mm-hmm. And then and then you can get that in. But okay. yes, accelerations are better. All right. So we've covered easy running, drill work, active and dynamic stretching, strides. Now let's talk about, so those are all great ways that you can warm up. And so you can, based on what you like, incorporate any or all of these. I probably wouldn't do all of them every day, but you want to incorporate whatever, you know, pick and choose here. It's, we've given you a nice plethora of options to choose from. Cornucopia. Smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. There we go. Let's try to spell it. No. (laughs) (laughs) N-O. So... Especially if you're doing a workout, you know, if you're if you're doing a speed workout or if you are racing, especially anything faster than like a half marathon, you want to incorporate some form of warm up before your race. So kind of pick and choose and experiment. See what your body likes, what your body doesn't like, what does your body respond better to? Everyone is different. So, yeah, that's what we did for the last month of track season is I spent a while teaching them all sorts of different drills, different ways to stretch, different like all sorts of different techniques, and then for the last month every time we'd hit a workout, I'd be like, "Okay, warm up." In do something different for a warm up than you did last time, and afterwards I'm gonna say, did you feel like your warm up was better today or last time? Mm-hmm. And by the end of the season, these kids had kind of refined their warm up and figured out what works best for them, and they weren't all doing the same. Some of them put zero thought and effort into it, and they literally were just following their friend around and would just do whatever their friend did, which mm-hmm. is fine because they were still getting warmed up. But some of them were like, I really prefer doing this. I want to get in like six accelerations and it was usually my sprinters. I want some accelerations off of the turn and some accelerations where I'm going around the turn. And they, they would, they had their routine that they had to do every time. Mm -hmm. That's the idea behind it is build yourself a routine. Yeah. Cool. I like it. So if you are at a race and you're, you know, you've done your warm up, you're not really in the corral yet, right? So you get to your race, you go to the bathroom, you get your bib, you do whatever you need to do, you, you do a little warm up jog, 
and whatever drills or active stretching you decide to incorporate into your warm-up. And then it's time to get into the starting corral. Now, some of these races have very long wait times where you're actually in the corral for a while. Yeah. So what do you do when you're actually in the starting corral? So you're already completely warmed up and uh, and you've done you've done some drill work you've done whatever it is that you want to do and now you're stuck in a roped in area where you can't really even move all that much unless you're you when your like toe is on the starting line i rarely put my toe on the starting line you're always in the front though and you usually like stride out before the race oh i definitely do strides off the starting line before the races start Mm -hmm. um but i also i I don't put my foot on the starting line. Yeah, but that's a benefit that people at the front of the pack can do. Yes, I get. I I have area to do strides right before the race begins. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what if you're not right at the front? Um, so you can do essentially simulated strides by doing some like really fast. It's essentially. Um, not super crazy high knees, but it's fast running in place. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's quick, 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 like fast feet in place, essentially. Yeah. Um, you can do hopping is really good for you. Um, not like crazy bounding, but just like some little hopping is, is good stuff. Um, you can do some of the dynamic stretches. It make, make friends with the people around you. Lead a little yoga circle. Lead a little yoga circle. You would. I wouldn't, but you would totally do that. <laughs> no, I um, Namaste. We're going to do some yoga now. Well, and you know, some of the corrals, especially back in the middle or the, the back of the pack, like it can get pretty darn crowded. Yes. So it's not really easy to move and to do like hopping and stuff like that. Like if you started hopping, you might step on someone's foot. And that would not be nice. Well, I, I clear some area. I've been in plenty of parts where yeah. literally three steps off the starting line is remarkably packed. Mm-hmm. The starting line is usually pretty loose, but three steps back, because there's a lot of people that want to put themselves in the category of, mm, I don't know if I can win, yeah. but I think that I'm fast. And they may or may not be correct about this, yeah. but they'd like to see the starting line but not be on the starting line. So three steps back is yeah. really packed in. Yeah, and I've been starting to put myself more in that spot, and it's just more... It's like, crowded. It's very crowded because it's like one of those things where I know I'm not going to win the race, so I'm not going to get on the starting line, but I also don't want to be spending a ton of time and energy weaving through people. Yes. So I want to be like up at the front-ish so that I'm not having to weave through people to try to get into my pace. Yeah. I, As long as no one in front of me looks like they're going to be in my way, I kind of enjoy, especially on the longer races, not being on the starting line because mm-hmm. it prevents me from going out too fast. Because if my first like 10 steps are too fast, then I have to like consciously pull back. And I don't like consciously pulling back in a mm-hmm. race. I like to just find my flow and go. Yeah. So basically, if you're in the corral, try to find some room around you if possible and do what you can. Yes. Like basically, you can do marching in place. That's one that I like to do. That's a good I'll one. I'll do some marching in place because I don't need a big area for that. I'll do some squats in place. Squats is a really mm-hmm. good one. Um, so, cause like trying to do things that are in a smaller area, but are still keeping the legs moving. You could do heel raises. Yeah. I mean, when you do heel raises, I I say hops, I'm not getting a lot of air underneath me. Yeah. I'm literally just springing a couple of inches off the ground. Mm -hmm. Like I'm doing that. Like going up on your toes. Going up on my toes. Mm -hmm. I, I leave the ground. So instead of just doing like just up on my toes, I just kind of bounce a little bit Right. right where I'm at. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, sounds good. So, is there anything else you want to add in about warm ups? I think that's pretty much got them. I that, think we've covered a lot. That last part's tricky is what do you do, especially if you're stuck in a corral for like 45 minutes? Yeah. Is you, you try to not be. Try to move. Like, yes. even if try you're. Try to just, move as much as you can. Even if you're just moving around, like swaying from side to side, picking your legs up, squatting down, like just keep moving is really the best. Yes, don't, don't find the perfect spot in the corral and then just lock yourself in there because mm-hmm. there's no perfect spot in the corral. Just keep moving. It's going to yeah, be okay. Just keep moving around. All right, cool. So if you are a member of our tribe, then you have access to the exercise library. And in the exercise library that we have on the website, 
you, um, we have videos of all of these things. So we have videos of strides. We have videos of these dynamic warmups. We have videos of drills so that you can kind of make sure that you are doing them correctly because especially the running drills, you want to be doing them with the correct form because that's what they're for. They're there so that you can help to improve your running form. So making sure that you're doing them properly is absolutely essential. So if you are a member of our tribe, our monthly membership program, you can check out the exercise library over on the, the Real Life Runners website. And if you're not yet a member of our tribe, we have some really exciting things coming in the future. We are completely revamping our whole tribe program, our membership program, and we've got a lot of really awesome things in store. It's going to be amazing. It is going to be amazing. And so please keep your eye out for that. We are in the process of adding a ton of really, really great stuff um, to kind of walk you through becoming a better runner. Yes, because you're all runners. We just want you to be even better at it. Yeah, exactly. So if you are not yet a part of our membership program, we still want to take care of you and we don't want to leave you hanging. So we have chosen five of our favorite warm-up drills and exercises that you can do. So if you go over to realliferunnerspodcast.com slash episode 89. That will be the page that you can find our show notes. And all you have to do is enter your name and your email address there and it will take you to the page that we've created for you that has these warm-up drills on there so you can see the videos of those warm-up drills. And by entering your name and email address, that also puts you on our email list. And so you will be the first person to know when we launch our new membership program this summer. So you want to get this, you, you guys want to get in on this, believe me. So go over to realliferunnerspodcast.com forward slash episode 89 so that you can gain access to that free resource that we've created just for you. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with us today and we'll talk to you next week. If you're ready to have more fun and achieve the goals that matter to you without sacrificing the rest of your life in the process, this message is for you. Maybe you're feeling confused or frustrated because you're not making the progress you want, even though you're running three times per week or more. Maybe you're feeling tired or sore all the time because you're pushing harder every day trying to get better. Maybe you want to run longer, but every time you run a couple of miles, that nagging knee pain starts to act up again. Maybe you've been told that you should probably stop running so much because you're getting older, but you refuse to accept that and want to find a way to continue to improve in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Maybe you just feel like you're winging it every day and want to start working towards a goal. You want to feel better and be able to make progress in your running as you get older. And if you're like us and the other runners we work with, you want your running to help you become stronger and more resilient in all other areas of your life too. Plus, you need something that fits in your real life that is simple, easy to understand, and effective. Don't worry, we've got you. If you're ready to transform into a strong, confident, and successful real-life runner, the Real Life Runners Academy has everything you need. It includes training plans, coaching, and programs that will teach you how to run faster, run longer, feel better, and accomplish your goals. Check it out today over at realliferunners.com forward slash academy. Enrollment will be opening soon, so be sure to join the wait list so that you can be notified when doors are open. It's time to run your life.